We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome into the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network, Nathan Zagura, and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry, with you. And Gerard, those three Super Bowls came with the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots came to town against the Cleveland Browns last week, and that was a game that we said was a big one. And it was probably the worst performance of the year. Of course, the final score, not really indicative of the game, but at the same time, it wasn't as bad as 38-15, but it never really felt close. I mean, your your biggest glimmer of hope was getting it to nine points in the fourth quarter. Gerard, what did you make of that performance? Where does this team go from here? Well, I must say, Nathan, you're kinder than me because to me, it reflected it. It felt like it. Every bit of 38 to 15, you have miscues on the defensive end, special teams, and obviously Jacoby not taking care of the football and throwing INTs didn't help them the mission as well of getting that win. And it was a pivotal loss because we're competing with them to try to make it to the playoffs. And you figured if we don't win our division, then that will be the only way in which we can get there because losses to the Chargers, losses now to the Patriots and the Jets, which are teams who will all be more than likely won't win their division, but will be fighting for those other spots are now in a place where they're ahead of us. But what I make of the game really is, as you just described it, it was probably the first time we saw that all three phases didn't complement each other. We've had yep. stretches where, okay, it's the offense and special teams are doing their job, maybe not the defense, or maybe a situation where it's the defense and special teams not doing their job, but offense is keeping us in the game. This game right here was an example of all three phases having miscues and not doing what was necessary to get the job done. And when you have that take place, you lose in the manner and fashion in which we lost. Yeah, and it was an ugly loss. So let's start with the offense, which had been so good the first five weeks. Certainly the blame would not be put on the offense for what had transpired. And then all of a sudden you come out and, you know, Jacoby Brissett, two interceptions, loses a fumble, three turnovers in this one. You could not get the ground game going. You really couldn't possess the football. You're only on, you had the fall for 25 minutes, but Nick Chubb, season low, 12 carries, 56 yards. Cream Hunt, season low, four catch, four carries for 12 yards. Brissett would complete less than 50% of his passes for the first time all year and throw for 266, one touchdown, two picks. He would be sacked four times. We were dominated by the Patriots' defense. What stood out to you about what the Patriots did? Well, really, what 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 I picked up on, Nathan, was that we just really never got into a rhythm. And, and I think that comes from your assessment that it didn't seem as bad, but I felt that when you throw an interception, when you have fumbles, yeah, it's going to throw you off. And then when you look at the field position that we were getting because we simply weren't getting off the football field, that hurt the cause as well. So for me, it was really more so of, 
what was our goal in this game? Were we trying to establish the run? Obviously, we didn't do that because out the gate we came out in an empty formation, and the thought was, okay, I have to imagine that we're going to pass even though they think we're going to run. And sure. at some point you have to establish who you are as a identity. And right now, based upon that game, it's hard to establish that because we we opted to pass. Now, granted, at some point you have to pass when the game is getting away from you. You're down multiple scores. So I respect the fact that you're not running as much because you need bigger chunk plays, and that's right. more likely going to come through the air as opposed to on the ground. Yeah, and that's really the – that's where you were. This is a team that, you know, the formula I feel like, Gerard, fairly simple offensively. You have got to play within yourself, take what the defense gives you, run the football, utilize play action when it is made available to you, and, and you know, be – not you're not a great down-the-field passing team. You mm-hmm. are a team that's better off playing with the lead rather than trying to come from behind. And in this one, you were trying to come from behind, and it, it did not go very well. Let's flip it to the other side, though. Defensively. You wanted to stop the run. Okay, you could say kind of. You did that. You gave up the one big run on the third down to Ramondre Stevenson. But for the most part, you did. You thought, okay, let's put the ball in the hands of Bailey Zappi in his second career start. Bailey Zappi went 24 of 34, 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a quarterback rating of 118.4. Gerard, how could this team, people have been calling for more man coverage. We played more man coverage. We could not disrupt the passing attack of the New England Patriots, which was the biggest shocker to me in this game. Well, you're not going to disrupt the passing attack, especially in man coverage, if you have man responsibility and you are playing with either poor technique or not even covering your man, which is even more egregious. That's going to lead to guys being open. And then when you think about the zone concepts and how they were beating us, because they did have some semblance of a running game, and we have our linebackers right now in a mode to where it appears to me that they just – run to the first sign of a run that they see, and that's very difficult to defend, especially in this day and age of RPOs. Absolutely. Not that not Zappy was going to run one, but believe me, this week we'll definitely see it. So yep. I, so you bite up, and then what does that do? That space, that crease in between the safeties and the defensive backs, or excuse me, the linebackers and the defensive backs is wide open. So he nickel and diamonds with that as well. So they did a masterful job of using all of our tendencies that we put on tape against us and that's what you're going to get against a bill belichick team they're going to force you to prove that you've corrected your ills and we didn't do that we did not we most certainly did not and you you mentioned that and so coverage breakdowns again jok bad eye discipline grant delpit bad eye discipline we give up those chunk plays you hear john johnson's comments this week guys are guys need to be doing more they need to be putting in more time more work what did you make of all that and, and what did that say to you? And Joel Batonio kind of echoed his sentiments today. So the two guys, one guy who's been to a Super Bowl and been on a number one defense, and then Joel Batonio has been, you know, one of our best players mm-hmm. for his tenure here and is considered to be the gold standard at left guard. They were in some ways critical, I think, of the work ethic of this young football team. Well, that's a major issue and problem. Now, granted, I could push back and say, well, it's your guys, part of your responsibility because you can – It's not necessarily a job. This is where it gets complicated. Because if your culture doesn't dictate the idea that we're going to have accountability within our locker room and what we've established that we're not just here to collect checks and that we want more than that from our football team and that we're going to hold guys to a higher standard. Because right now what's being said is, okay, when you hear a comment like that, Nathan, that means a guy can honestly say, yeah, I did my job. I come into work and I leave as soon as work is over with. I've done my job. And from a collective bargaining standpoint, you can't argue against that. You can't. 
But if anyone who's been in the National Football League knows one thing, everybody has to outwork each other. Yep. And it doesn't just stop when practice is over. That's craziness if you actually think that's how you're going to have a good football team or be a great player by just saying, okay, I got enough on the physical side to not go home and watch more tape, not to make sure I'm taking care of my body and getting more proper rest and clearing up the mistakes that I've made in previous practices or in the game and just taking my work home with me or just rushing out of here and not figuring out a way to how we make things better. So for them to say that, that's a sign that someone in the building cares from a player's perspective. But if the young guys are feeling that way and you have this disconnect where it's the, okay, it's the young guns versus the old heads who, do, who know better and, and you're not listening to them, that's nuts. Why would you not listen to someone who's been down the path that you're currently on? And I don't get that at all. To think that you could actually play football at the highest of levels and not take your work home with you is just crazy to me. But obviously it's taking place because you had a, a leader, a captain, if you will, or a guy, in my opinion, who serves as that, who's definitely vocal in the locker room, and Johnson saying that, and Petonio is certainly a captain. For them to say that, Nathan, speaks volumes to me. And these young guys, if it is them, and if it's some veterans too, they need to wake up because the last thing that you want is to have a team influenced by guys who are simply playing a game to collect checks. You don't want that. Yep. That will not get you anywhere. You will not win any games. No, you can't have that. And so for this team – in many ways, it is a season on the brink, right? You're yes. two and four. That's not where you expect it to be. It's not where you want it to be. But it very much is where you are, and you've got to own that, unfortunately. And so where do you go from here? Well, the good news is in your division, the Bengals and the Ravens both sit at three and three, only one game ahead of you. You play them the next two weeks, starting with the Ravens this Sunday, Gerard. You still if you can win these games, you still control your own destiny. How do you approach that? What is the mindset that you would take as somebody who's been on championship teams? How do you write the ship in one week and say, look, no matter what's done is done. We can't go back and get those wins. But what we can do is beat the Ravens on Sunday and get ourselves right back in the mix. Well, it's clear, first and foremost, Nathan, that we have an issue playing four full quarters. How do you solve that? Well, it starts with what you're doing in practice. Your practices need to be extremely intense, close as you can possibly get to a game like conditions where guys are focused, guys are fired up, and guys are getting after it. And not just going through the motions, I line up here, I'm good to go, coach, and just tagging off and all that stuff. Now, I'm not saying you take guys to the ground and all of a sudden have live tackling drills in the course of practice with the offense, sure. defense, special team units. But what I'm saying is you know intensity when you see it. And if the practices aren't intense and guys are just going through the motions once again of doing their job, then you're in trouble because if you're not mad, if you're not hostile, and if you don't have an angst right now and something that's just crawling up you that you need to get rid of and exercise, then I have to question what are you doing? Why are you playing this game? I know why then. You're playing this game because you love what comes with this game, and nothing's wrong with that, but you're really not interested in doing the things necessary to really take this team to the level it should be at, which is definitely not two and four. No, you're exactly right. It should not be a 2-4 and four team, but it is a 2-4 and four team. But as we said, an opportunity now against the Baltimore Ravens to go ahead and get this thing right. Now, it's not going to be easy. There's a Ravens team at 3-3. Three and three. They feel the same way, probably, right? But they're actually we saying sh- they are mad. Yeah, they should, we shouldn't be 3-3. Three and three. We should be 5-1. and one. We should be 6-0. Oh. They've blown three leads. They have never trailed going into the fourth quarter of a game so far this year. They've got the great Lamar Jackson. When you think about trying to defend Lamar Jackson, Gerard, what is the most important thing our defense needs to be able to do? We need to have the ability, one, to make 
tackles first and foremost because if you try to arm tackle him, what's going to happen with that, Nathan? He's going to run right through you. And, and not only that, if you're doing that, and that's the other thing. It's a good point you brought up. Too many missed tackles on this team. Too often we're not wrapping. We're just trying to go hit guys, and that's not getting guys to the ground. That will not work on Lamar Jackson. He's averaging 8.1 yards a carry, Gerard. 8.1 yards a carry. Right. And that, so right there, your tackling technique, you must vacate this idea that I can slam my body into someone, especially on the NFL level. That'll work maybe every now and then on a wide receiver, but a running back or a quarterback that's a, a running quarterback, it's not going to work. It just doesn't. You have to wrap and go back to proper technique. And the other thing, too, is they're going to run the RPO. Yep. They're going to do it all day, every day, because we have not been able to stop it. And so. No, we- Understand that we're going to get that until we do stop it. And we're going to see that in this game. And then they also have a guy named Mark Andrews who scored seven times in the last six games against the Browns. He's a tight end. I want to ask you about something because I was curious. I talked with Coach Stefanski. Mm -hmm. We'll hear from him uh, coming up here on the show. I also heard from Joe Woods earlier today. They said one of the reasons that it's so hard to double a tight end, a tight end like Mark Andrews, is because it then means that you are vacating somebody out of a run gap. And when you're dealing with Lamar Jackson, Mm -hmm. you can't vacate any run gaps because not only can he keep it, you're worried about him. Those teams are worried about just them handing it off. There are only 10 guys really in the run game. With the Ravens, it's Mm -hmm. all 11. So what is the challenge in trying to double and stop a Mark Andrews but also maintaining the integrity of your run defense? Well, here's what I'm going to do in a situation like that, and and, and I've seen this in the past, where if you have a Tony Gonzalez, if you have a Shannon Sharp, if you have a Wesley Walker, and these are some old school guys, if you will, who play tight end at a very high level, what you do is you take your best covering, be a linebacker, safety, or big corner, and you isolate them on that guy because it's clear and present that – Andrews makes their offense tick from a passing standpoint. If he's not successful, then they're not successful passing the ball, in my opinion. Based and, and heck, there'll be stretches where he'll get literally four or five passes in a row. So my thought is, you isolate that guy. You say, you know what? You take this guy away, and everyone else play beyond that. And obviously, they're not going to flex him out or anything like that. But that's really what we're going to have to do. And then think about this: our linebackers, in particular. Because they're so concerned about getting their run gaps, what have they been doing? They don't guard the tight end. They don't guard the running back. Or it's a blitz pill situation. They don't follow through on that because they're too concerned about getting involved in the run. The run, yes, will beat you up physically and mentally hurt you. But what a pass play can do to you from a field yardage standpoint, we have to put more of the onus on stopping that guy. So my thought is, Nathan, you put your best covering linebacker or defensive back or safety on him who's big enough to – physically deal with him to a degree. I mean, he's a huge human being. So, I mean, it's going to be one hell of a matchup, but that's how you have to do it. And you have to be ultra-physical with him at the line of scrimmage. I mean, beat him up. Put somebody over him. Beat him up. Don't let him go down the football field. That's a start. That's a start. You think about last year when we did so well against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions in that game. We sacked him twice, 20 of 32, 165 yards. Ronnie Harrison. We haven't seen much of him so far this year. Team high, 14 tackles and an interception. JOK had 13 tackles. Those are the guys that you need in this game. And Ronnie Harrison's a guy that can run with and body up a Mark Andrews. MJ Emerson, if you wanted to put a corner on him, is a guy that can do that as well. So I think that that's going to be so critical in this game. Ronnie Harrison only played five snaps last week, a season low. We're going to need more from him if we want to slow down the Baltimore Ravens. When we come back, we're going to hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin 
Kevin Stefanski. You are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by the head coach of your Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And coach, here we sit, two and four. Got to right the ship. There's been a lot of talk about this team, and we've heard comments from various players, et cetera. But you tell me, how have you seen this team kind of rededicate itself or maybe refocus itself for this game against the Ravens? Yeah, I just think it's so important. These seasons are long, you know, 17 games, and, and there's moments in a season where you're going to, going to feel like your back's up against the wall and you got to respond and I think uh, for us what that means is really focusing on what we have in front of us focusing on the day focusing our our opponent that week what you can't do is look behind you can't talk about woulda coulda shoulda and you also can't look forward you can't worry about what's uh, coming a week two weeks three weeks from now so it's just really important for weeks like this that we, we put those blinders on look at an AFC opponent the team that's uh, one game ahead of us in the standings uh, going on the road, and we just got to go play some good football, good team football, and come away with a victory. The record is what the record is. But all things considered, if you said, okay, we're going to get to this point in the season, Baltimore and Cincinnati, and if we win these two games against our division opponents, we will be in first place in this division, and we will have, at that point be 3-0 and in the AFC North. You'd feel good about that. So it's still there, even though the path to this point probably is not what you wanted. But I think Baltimore would say the same thing. So would Cincinnati. Yeah, and I, honestly, I, I think it's – what we do in the building is, is really kind of look at the schedule one game at a time and, and yep. worry about that. Um, it's just it's it, it's too important. Uh, this week is too important to do anything other than that. Uh, so I think that's the players understand that. I know the coaches understand that, uh, and that's what we're working on this week is just making sure that we can play our best football because we haven't done it to date. Yeah, and certainly not for 60 minutes, and that'll be what it requires to, to beat the Baltimore Ravens, a very good team. Let's start with when they've got the ball. Of course, we know they are led by the 2019 NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, who has kind of had a tale of two seasons, but is doing more damage with his legs than he has ever done in the past 75 yards a game, 8.1 yards a carry. What have you seen from Lamar, starting with their quarterback? Well, I mean, he's 80% of their offense, whether yep. he's throwing it or he's running it. Uh, we know he's a great player. We haven't played against him. You know how skilled he is, how physically gifted he is. So he's going to be in the middle of everything that they're doing. And uh, I think he's doing a nice job throwing the ball. He can throw it from the pocket. He can certainly scramble and throw it. So when you're playing Lamar Jackson, you really, really defensively have to be about your rules. And, and sometimes you're rushing four, five, six, whatever it is, but as long as you're clean in your rules, you have a chance to slow him down. I don't think you can go into any game and say you're shutting out Lamar Jackson. He's a, he's a great player. It's a really good schemed offense, and he does a nice job. And then you got to talk about the tight end. Mark Andrews is, is a really good football player. Uh, they have a, a good connection between those two guys. He's looking for them. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's also just a unique challenge just because of the difference uh, in this scheme than to most schemes around the NFL. Let's go back to last year because Lamar really didn't play in the second game. But that first game in Baltimore, the Browns basically shut him down. 165 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions. Got to him a couple times. Miles had a sack uh, in that one. And it felt like the team just really had a good plan. How much are you able to utilize You know what you did last year, knowing that they're going to be ready for that? They're going to adjust to it. You've got to make adjustments as well. Yeah, that's the chess match in all of this. You know, they're watching that tape. You, with your division opponents, you play them twice a year, so they watch two games worth of tape and see what our answers were to some of the things that they did. 
they work very hard over the off season to shore up some of those things. So it, it really does take on a life of its own every single game. So with this game, we'll have some things that they haven't shown, and I'm sure they have some things that they haven't shown uh, for us. So it's really about again going back to that those rules. Uh, if, if you're consistent and true to your rules, you play sound defense. It gives yourself a chance. All right, you mentioned Mark Andrews, two-time Pro Bowler. He's got 31 touchdowns since 2019. Seven of them have come in six games against the Cleveland Browns. I don't know how he does it. It's not like there's a dynamic receiver, though Rashard Bateman's been very good for them when on the field, but he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. He just always gets open. They throw him the ball. He has more catches than the next three leading receivers on the Ravens combined. How does he do it? What makes him so effective? How do you stop him? Yeah, well, again, to, he's a he's a very good player, f- starting physically, right? Just a big physical uh, player that can can win on contested balls and can run. So that combination of size and athleticism, it's, you know. Then he's very savvy versus zones. Can knows how to sit in zones. Knows how to get open in zones. And going back to that athleticism, can win versus man. So again, this is the unique challenge that Baltimore presents. Certainly that Mark Andrews presents. So I don't know that it's one defense takes him away. I don't know that it's one player takes him away. As long as you have a plan uh, to limit his uh, ability, because uh, you know I go back to. Great players, he's going to make a play. He's going to maybe make two plays. But if you can limit those plays, if you can turn what, you know, if you can get him on the ground after a, a 10 yard gain, uh, as opposed to him breaking a tackle and going for a 20 yard gain. I want to ask you about Patrick Ricard because three straight Pro Bowls, he is one of one, right, in the NFL, former defensive lineman turned fullback. They use him in watching this team in such a fascinating way where sometimes, you know, he's kind of in the pistol and he's a lead blocker. They love to run behind him, but they'll line him up on one side of the wing and then send him in motion. And he basically is an, an early puller and they'll pull the backside guard. And you go watch last week against the Giants. All of their big runs came off basically the same play, just they flipped it later on in the game. What makes him so good? Why aren't there more Patrick Ricards in the NFL and more teams who kind of use that early downhill motion lead blocking? Yeah, he I, he is one of one just in his size and and his movement skills. Uh, not a lot of guys look like him. I, I give them I give the player credit. I give them credit for evolving his role over the years. He's really taking on more of a role than he's had before, and really he's doing jobs that other players for them used to do. So he's really just expanding his role. Uh, you mentioned that fast motion. They're really running the same plays as if he aligned over there to begin with. They're just bringing him from the other side of the center, which causes some, uh, some I wouldn't say confusion, causes some communication that has to occur with your defense to understand, all right, this looks like it's a three-by-one, but in reality with this fast motion, it's ending in a two-by-two. Two. Now you've got to think about your run fits from the second level to the third level when they end up in that formation. And you're giving a guy who's 300 pounds a running start to hit somebody. And you've seen that kind of over the years uh, become a bigger staple in, in the NFL. I think to Trent Williams in San Francisco, they sure. were putting him in motion quite a bit. So that's certainly something that you're seeing uh, bounce around the league right now. All right, so that's them in a nutshell offensively. They'll use a lot of tight ends. We don't know about J.K. Dobbins, Kenyon Drake, who has had some good games against the Browns in the past before your time, uh, had a nice game last week. But that's kind of who they are defensively. It's a lot of names you know. It's a lot of guys who have been around this league for a long time. Calais Campbells, the Jason Pierre-Pauls, if Justin Houston is able to come back, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, a lot of veterans, a veteran group. Yeah, it's a really good group. You mentioned it's a lot of the uh, faces and and names and players that we know. 
It's a first-time coordinator, but he was there for so many years, was gone just for one year when he was a defensive coordinator at Michigan. So Mike McDonald does a nice job with this group. There's a lot of similarities to what they've done under Wink Martindale, and there's also some differences, and we've kind of drilled into those differences and what, what they're doing through the first six games of, of his young tenure, uh, some of the new things that they're doing. So aware of that, but at the end of the day, it's it's so similar to what they've done. Uh, it's just a question of, again, what are those adjustments that they're going to bring to our game? It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the past they played a lot more cover three than they are this year. It feels like this year they're kind of like a cheesecake factory. They're playing like everything. Yeah, they are, but it's 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 percentage-wise. So they've played a lot last season. Maybe they're playing a little bit higher percentage of shell, maybe a little bit higher percentage of zone. But at the end of the day, it's it's the the defense, the structure hasn't necessarily changed, but the amount of times and the percentage that they're doing things maybe has adjusted a little bit. And they're the number one in terms of dime percentage in the league, so... That's something you get to go against a lot, certainly here in our training camp. What do they benefit? And we saw a team last week that did that, but you know, Kyle Duggar is an elite player, and, and they're without Marcus Williams, so that kind of hurts them a little bit in that dime look. Yeah, with those dime looks, you're, really, you're adding safeties on the field, oftentimes that are comfortable playing in and around the box, that are good blitzers, that can play tight ends and man coverage, that can drop in zone. So I think they have a nice, they do a nice job of using their versatile safeties. And, and some guys come in and play the back half. Some guys come in like 36, and he may blitz. He may yep. be playing man coverage. Uh, so there's a real versatility to their package of dime there. All right. And then this is the one stat that just jumped out at me because it's so unique. And I think that we would all like to get off to a fast start in Baltimore. They have taken the lead in every single game they've played this year. They have not allowed a single point on an opponent's opening drive. And those are the scripted plays, typically. That's where you got your best stuff for what you're expecting to come. How have they been able to do that? Is there anything unique that's jumped out to you on tape, or is it just that's just what's happened? Yeah, obviously, we want to start fast. They want to start fast. Easier said than done. They've done it going into the fourth quarter of all six of their games. They've led. The only one they tied was the Buffalo game. So they've had the lead. Uh, they've scored first in all their games. So I think for us, you know, you do want to start fast. Uh, you do want on offense and defense to be really sound in what you're doing, especially when you go on the road because you know the crowd uh, is a factor early. And then part of starting fast, the, the second part of that is finishing strong. So for us, that that is an emphasis where we do want to be at our best offensively, defensively, special teams as the game starts versus an opponent that's done a nice job there. And then you got to play that 60-minute game. you got to be ready to pick up speed after you start fast and then finish strong. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck against the Ravens on Sunday in Baltimore. Great. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff, and it's open to fans with a ticket to the game. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry with you. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network, and it's time now, Gerard, to go around the league. Let's start with the Jets and the Giants. New York, New York. They are combined nine and three through the first six weeks. Which team sustains this and makes the playoffs? Either, neither, or both. Both. 
Really simple. Both. And why I say both? Because right now I'm seeing some lackluster football across the board in the National Football League. And these two teams in particular, Nathan, seem like they want that smoke. Seem like they love the idea of being out there on a football field and competing for 60 full minutes, four quarters, and all that entails with four phase, three phases complementing each other and doing what's necessary dirty. It's not pretty, but they're finding ways to get the job done. They certainly are. I think that Jets team's a lot of fun. Brees Hall is a stud. Garrett Wilson is a stud. Corey Davis is very good. Elijah Moore is a stud. And then you go on the defense, Sauce Gardner, and they drafted, you know, a, a Johnson. They got Carl Lawson. They just get, they're a fun team. Zach Wilson back healthy now. They're fun. What did you make, though, of Elijah Moore, who's now experiencing winning football for the first time in his young, it's only second year in the league, he said he wants a trade. They have said they will not trade him, but he said he wants a trade after he's not really getting utilized as much as he would like in this offense. <laughs> well, if he becomes, uh, I mean, he's already right there. You're winning and you're complaining. I get rid of the guy. I mean, if we're winning and we're having success and you're not, and you're worried about yourself, ultimately that's not going to bode well for your team culture. So I'd make an example out of him. Me, old school thought process, antiquated Gerard gets rid of him. But, again, different day and age where we don't do that. We pretty much let guys be restless and speak their peace. But if he does become a distraction in the locker room, you tell you move him on. Listen, send him right over here to Cleveland. I'll take Elijah Moore. I wanted him. Gibbe knows I wanted Elijah Moore bad in the draft last year. I love that kid out of Ole Miss. See, that's right there, Nathan. Why would you want a guy on your locker room who's already complaining? He's winning. He's complaining. You know what? Sometimes young guys, they're immature. They don't get it. And you know what? We need talent. Talent. When David Njoku requested a trade and the Browns said no. And guess what? He kind of paid his dues. He blocked. He wasn't getting the ball as much. And then he was rewarded with $50 million. And now he's a stud and somebody you would never worry about or never think about. You you know, it's just one of those things I think young guys deal with. And I'll bet on the talent. That's me. I'll give me talent. And that's a great example, but I will come back and say the following. Right now, we need to establish what our culture is. And I wouldn't bring in someone like that who's already, who probably would do more damage to it than good. A malcontent, as you would like to say. A malcontent. All right, I'm with you on that. All right, after a busy week six in the NFL, who are contenders? Who are pretenders? I'm going to give you a team. You tell me contender or pretender. The Vikings. Five and one. Contender, without a shadow of doubt. Couldn't agree with you anymore on that one. I like that team. Again, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Thielen. Kirk Cousins is much better than people think, and then that defense is starting to play well. I like the Vikings. The Dallas Cowboys, four and two. They get Dak Prescott back this week. Defense travels, contender. Agreed. When you have a D like that, you're always a contender. The 49ers, 3-3 three and three oh, on the season. They go to they host Kansas City this week. They likely will be 3-4. and four. One of those losses, of course, in the slop to the Bears in week one. They beat them under any other circumstance. I'm sure of it that week. And then their injuries, they are missing. And I know this because my, my dad boots on the ground, Pedro. <laughs> Basically, eight of their starters on defense, they're decimated by injury, but a dangerous team still. Are they still? Can they survive this early tough patch, or are they out of it? Uh, six games, so I'm going to give them a benefit of doubt and say contenders. Contenders? Okay, I'm with you too. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, turmoil. They just lost to the Steelers, Gerard. I can't believe I'm about to say this. And, Tom, you can't 
missed practice on Wednesdays. Maybe he's been doing it all season. I'm, and then Friday, fly out to a wedding. I get that. But then not fly with your team? That just sets up for the game itself and you meet him there? That doesn't speak well of team culture. So I'm going to have to say pretenders. Bill Belichick declined the invitation to that very same wedding with Robert Kraft because he said, we got a game that I've got to focus on, and he did just that. The Green Bay Packers, 3-3. Three and three, They've lost to both of those New York teams back-to-back. Pretenders. What's, what's going on there, Gerard? What's going on there? Aaron Rodgers, uh, he always gives off a little bit of a weird vibe. They made, a, obviously, a decision that, I don't know if they financially could afford him or what, mm-hmm. but Devontae Adams leaving was not replaced adequately at this point. They're an interesting team that it seems like they're in a little bit of turmoil. Well, I think you got that, and I still think you got the residue from last season of this whole idea of, one, I don't want to be here, and the drama that went along with that. And then on top of that, if you don't have the playmakers that he trusts right now in a, in the building, then what are you going to do? So I get why they're struggling, and they seem like a team that just simply doesn't care about winning football games. You had a lead in London, and you're showcasing in London the our favorite American pastime. And guys have to be conscious of this, and then you go out there and do what you did and let the Giants come back and beat you, and then you're at home, and then you lose again. It is. It's a stunning thing, and, you know, you talked about, you know, you don't want guys who are malcontents, and then I would say, well, do you want somebody who's out there doing ayahuasca in the offseason as your quarterback? Like, that can't be good for your brain. <laughs> no, it can't be. But, again, you're going to give him a pass because of what? He's one of the best passers to ever do it. Of course, he most certainly is talking about Aaron Rodgers. All right. Give me your rank of the top three teams in the NFL from one to three, and I'll give you the kind of the consensus that people think are the top teams in the NFL, and that, of course, would be Philly, Buffalo, and Kansas City. Philly undefeated. Buffalo and KC just had a great game with Buffalo coming out on top. Who are your top three teams in the NFL, Gerard? I'm going to stick with Philly because I think they're a complete football team and they haven't lost a game. Then I'll throw Buffalo into the mix, but my third team is going to shock you. And I'm going to go with the Cowboys. With Dak Prescott being back, you don't think they're going to be better at passing the football and being more explosive on the offensive end? And especially if they can commit to the run, I put them over the Chiefs right now. With that Really? Defense. Over the Chiefs? Yes. And Patrick Mahomes, I love it, Gerard. Hot takes abound right there. That's fun. That's what we like to do here on the Kevin Stefanski Show. All right, we're continuing to go around the league here. Fact or fiction? The Chiefs are the leading candidate to land Odell Beckham Jr. And then part two of that, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Ah, does he really want to go to Buffalo? (laughs) I think ultimately he's going to hunt for the team who's in the best spot to win. I can see him going to the Chiefs and fitting in very well there. But, heck, I could also make a run for him in Green Bay as well. But, yeah, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, the Chiefs. I'll say that closer proximity to Los Angeles. So, yes, I can see them going to the Chiefs. I think the Rams need him. I think, number one, he should yeah, go back to the they Rams. They, they need him. Yeah, but They're kind of pretenders, though. They have right, a lot of issues. Exactly, exactly. Green Bay would be interesting, but we already talked about them, how they, they've had their struggles. Kansas City, I think, makes a lot of sense, and that would be certainly that'd be fun to see him play with Patrick Mahomes. All right, Gerard, thank you so much for the quality entertainment and insights. Hot takes, as always, off the TV land. We will talk to you this Sunday on the call when you're down on the sidelines for the Browns and the Ravens. Let's go! Let's go. All right. When we come back, I'm going to ch- sit down with Donovan Peoples-Jones. But remember, in football, making a big hit after the whistle can be huge trouble. 
Knowing when to stop is critical for football players and for gamblers. So always set a time limit before gambling and keep things fun. Learn more at KeepItFunOhio.com. Our exclusive one-on-one with Donovan Peoples-Jones next here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by Donovan Peoples-Jones. The Browns wide receiver led the team in yards last week against the Patriots. Coming off of four straight games with more than 50 yards, DPJ, what's starting to click for you and Jacoby? Uh, just getting used to each other, getting um, building the chemistry, um, continuing to get better, continuing to see things the same way. Um, and like I said, just continuing to get better and continuing to trust the game plan. When you talk about getting better, where have you improved since you were a rookie? Oh, man, I feel like a lot of things. Awareness, my body, um, knowledge of the offense, knowledge of defenses, um, Knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge is power, right? Experience, yeah, for sure. Do you ever kind of look back and say, wow, I got to be in a receiver with Odell, with Jarvis, and now with Amari Cooper? And what have you kind of learned from those guys? Man, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. All of those guys are, you know, elite receivers, um, guys that I've looked up to since I was younger. And, I mean, it's really just just been a blessing to play with all of them and get to know them as as people. Amari, certainly different than those two, right? In, in not only the way that he approaches the game, the way he runs his routes, but also he's a quieter guy than, than either Jarvis or Odell. What's kind of been like getting in the room with him and, and somebody who is just such a precise route runner? Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, he's been on top of the game for a long time. Um, you know, the things that he, he's done with creating separation, getting open, using his body, he's a bigger guy um, to, make, to make defenders bag off is just great so he really understands that he understands you know leverages he understands movement skills so it's been it's been fun to watch him and for you you seem to understand that and it feels like and let me say this i said this on the broadcast the other week it feels like you make a lot of tough catches where you are fully extended diving one way or the other way running diving coming this way diving how have you gotten so good in those situations at making those catches uh, really just trusting trusting my technique, trusting that the ball is going to be somewhere within my frame. Um, i got a pretty big frame, and I feel like I can make you know any catch that's in my frame. And you do? Do the guys, are they like, holy sh- man, what the heck? Like, how'd you catch that one? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I bet you like that. That's good. Not only are you contributing in the passing game, but in this offense, if you want to play wide receiver, you've got to block. And I think that's one of the things that maybe the casual fan doesn't see. But in our pin-pull scheme, that's you often – blocking the edge so that you can pull the guards or the center back around you. How did you become so proficient at that, and what do you like about it? Really just giving great effort, um, being listening to coaching, taking coach, coaching from, you know, not only CO, but Coach Callahan and Stefanski, you know, where they want me, where, where the run is going, you know, who needs to be cut off by my position, and really just, you know, using my physical strengths, being able to, you know, block bigger guys, um, having a want to, not being scared, um, and then, I mean, I just love blocking for our backs. I think we got the best back room in the league. So it's been, it's been a pleasure blocking for Nick and Kareem. And it's probably nice, right? You know, if you do your job, it's not, you know, okay, I'm going to do this. They're going to get like three yards. That's when you have a chance for 40, 50 to the house type runs. Yeah, definitely. Always got to stay on your guy because, you know, those guys make terrific runs and uh, plays never dead when you have those two in the backfield. Is it surprising sometimes when you're blocking downfield how quickly they get on you? 
Sometimes it is, yeah, for sure. For sure. For Nick sure. had that great run uh, in the last one. All right, let's talk about, you mentioned CEO, Chad O'Shea, the wide receiver coach. He has been one of the biggest fans of yours since the day that you stepped foot in this building. What have you kind of learned from him? And, and, you know, so much talk this week about how to be a professional. He would say from day one you understood what it was to be a professional. But what has he kind of taught you and, and that relationship, how it's benefited you? I mean, he's he's been around for a long time, has a lot of experience, um, has been in many Super Bowls, been in many Super Bowl winning teams. So, you know, he definitely knows what it takes. So really I'm just trying to listen to him, um, gain that experience that he has, and, you know, apply that to, to my game. All right, Ravens, big game, obviously. We know we haven't gotten what we've wanted the last three. Chance to do that division opponent. When you watch them, what do you see? Uh, they're, they're a great team. Great team. Corners, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, multiple-time Pro Bowlers, both of them. What do they try to do to receivers? Yeah, they got good corners. Uh, they're big, physical. Um, they got a good defense. Do you like going against maybe a big physical corner more than maybe a, a smaller, shiftier guy, or do you not care? Uh, I, mean, I like, I like just playing football, man. I like playing football. Whoever's out there is out there. Just give me the ball. <laughs> yes, sir. Do you feel like your game, because this is from a, from a consistently productive, this is one of the best stretches of your career, right, in terms of you haven't gotten in the end zone yet, but that'll come. You've been awful close, got the ball right on the one-yard line a few times, but do you feel like you're just week in and week out, you know exactly what you need to do to get open so you can get the football from Jacoby? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's there every game, you know. Uh, we have a great scheme in our offense, you know, has the ability for me to get open for me to understand different coverages and, you know, what I have to do versus different looks and um, just, just just playing with my team and trusting the process. Donovan, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Love seeing you succeed out there. Looking for more of that on Sunday against the Ravens. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. When we come back, wrapping things up here, it's the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Join the Browns for a night of painting, drinks, and appetizers at Browns and Brushes, presented by Brownstown Napa Valley. The event takes place on Thursday, October the 27th in the Cardiac Club of First Energy Stadium, beginning at 7 p.m. Tickets are $50 and space is limited. For more information, visit clevelandbrowns.com or call 440-891-5050. Stock up and step up time for me. Whose stock is up for this Cleveland Browns football team? Well, you got to tip your cap, obviously, to the all-time sack leader in Miles Garrett. But my stock up is going to continue to be M.J. Emerson. He is the number 15 cornerback at Pro Football Focus last week. Six tackles, team I, two passes defensed. He's got the lowest completion percentage allowed in our secondary and the lowest rating allowed when targeted amongst our cornerbacks. So I love what he's been able to do for this football team. In terms of step-up, so many candidates. Yelda Froholt. You're going to have to step up for Wyatt Teller. Our defense, you're all going to have to step up. Grant Delpit, got to be better. Jacob Phillips, got to be better. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, got to be better. Ronnie Harrison, 
We need to see what we saw from you a year ago when you were a dominant player in this very game. So we need a lot of people to step up. I'll also add the interior of our defensive line, Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott. It's the Browns and the Ravens this Sunday, 1 p.m. from Baltimore. Our coverage on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network starts at 9 a.m. Want to thank Gerard Cherry for being with us tonight, as always. Also, a big thank you to our coordinating producer, Meredith Kane, and our executive producer, Jason Gibbs. It's a big one, folks. The 2-4 and four Browns, the 3-3 three and three Ravens. You've been listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.